Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today, my two still stupendous co-hosts, because we've done this seven times. First up, Miss Tiffany B. You know what? That was the best time, though. It was real smooth. It was. I just let it go. hello. And still consummate professional, because he is practiced in his art. It is Dan. I appreciate you acknowledging that. I do what I can. Ladies, good morning. Hello. It feels good. I'm looking at my track, and this is like a very clean slate since we've... The the episode or three that we've already tried that uh, our listeners missed, they weren't very good. I was enjoying the rustic quality of the last one. It was very rustic. had to scrap. <laughs> it was very rustic. It was essentially like when you don't know how to chop something, so you just like slap your knife on the board a bunch of times and you call it rustic. Yeah, artisanal. It was, yes, it was an artisanal podcast. It's the equivalent. So now this is the, this is the sleek professional one. Now that we are in Dan's Hell's Kitchen of podcasting, I assume he would be our Gordon Ramsay. Absolutely. Okay, just wanted to double check. I don't know what you guys talking about. For the record, about. I really love Gordon Ramsay <laughs> a lot. <laughs> So that's a compliment. It's Gordan Ramsay. Whoa! I've never that watched bad. that show, so I have no he idea. He yells at people, about. and but then he's soft-hearted on the inside. Yeah, you know what show I really like that's Gordon Ramsay related is the F word, not the American F word, the British F word. Mm. Everyone Fudge. should watch it. It is great. Is that is that on a streaming service somewhere? Because nobody has TV anymore, Tiff. You can find it on Hulu. Oh, okay. But make sure you do the British one. Because the American one is live, and it's weird, and Gordon Ramsay's pants are too tight, and it makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> Again, just like Dan. <laughs> so much. The parallels are astounding. He's got great hair, though. Fair enough. Thank you all, all right. for joining. Wait, Dan or Gordon Ramsay? Both. Oh, okay. Thank you all for joining us for this episode, and we want to give a quick shout-out and a thank you to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Check them out at playtmg.com. Also, go to your FLGS or your online gaming store to see what they've got in. Things like Coliseum, Yokohama, Lemuria, Okidoki, Jiraku, all pretty solid games to try out. And again, thank you to TMG. Now, take seven or whatever we're on. We are going to chat a little bit about what we've been playing and we're going to talk about our August, July, or July, August top of the stack. And a little bit about what we have planned for September, maybe October and let's get into it because tiff has played a laundry list of games although i don't know if that joke works a second time around it's not a laundry list it's one game it doesn't count no. as a laundry li- it's some people like, don't have a lot of laundry not a list. what if you don't have a lot of laundry okay. that is true if you run minimalist and you only have one outfit you know what really sucks though when i play one game is when you guys have already played it so it's like i'm like yeah i played this game too done well, we can we can chat about it. Let's let's demonstrate for the listeners how we can do this professionally. Tiff, what game did you play, and what was so special about the play that you had? Oh, it feels really weird when you ask it. I'm like intentionally that. trying to make it weird. Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. Yeah. You're gonna tank this seventh take of the podcast <laughs> by making me too uncomfortable. You have been uncomfortable in a long time, and that's what people like. You fidgeting. Just getting back to our roots. Oh, okay. Well, I played number nine. Finally, like everybody's been playing it and talking about it and it came out at my game day um, last weekend, but I was playing Wasteland Express Delivery Service and in the meantime, it was funny, Copac took a break from teaching us 
weds to teach everybody number nine. And then everybody played number nine about 17 times while we were still like, by the time we had finished learning the rules to Wasteland Express Delivery Service, everybody had played number nine like six times. So, yeah. Yeah, I 100% uh, believe that. Yeah. So, and it was cool because my husband got to learn the game before me. That's what was so special about it Aww. is that he, he suggested going to the game store on Friday night and he talked me into buying it and he taught it to me. I think that's like one of the first times... He's ever taught a game to me. It was very special, very romantic. I don't think Kel has ever taught a game to me. And I don't think she's ever suggested going to the game store with something in mind. I was so excited by yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I feel it like was, that's a cool like, experience. Just, this is a little taste of what it would be like <laughs> if you actually liked games. That's what it felt like. But I feel like... And I think... Ooh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think the thing that made it so great is that he was very happy to teach it. And because he knew more about the game than me, and I think a lot of our gaming issues come from I always know the game before he does, I always know how to play it before he knows how to play it, and I'm inherently going to be a little bit better at it, and we're we're very competitive. We were stand partners in orchestra in college, so yeah, it was tough. It's tough. Those roots go deep. He, he crushed me at this. Yeah. I am not good at this game, no. It And this is something that we've talked about before. Number nine, that is, and it's doesn't have a lot going on to it. But I mean, so what what makes you good at this game? Like, what qualities do you Spatial need? Reasoning, which I do not have. Yeah, I feel like you also Brian need to know so. the numbers. Like, you got the shapes because the shapes interlock in interesting ways, almost intentionally. And I can't get yes. a feel. I feel like every time I get a number and I look at it, I'm like, I forgot that this was this size, and the the spot that I've made is not this size. Yes, I like we only played it twice. We were it was late on Friday, but um yes, you you have to familiarize yourself with the shapes in order to be really good at it. Yeah. And my memory, I'm like a goldfish. It doesn't it's not going to ever happen for me. But that's okay. It'll be great for a board game club. Copac suggested I buy another copy because you can play it with an infinite amount of players if you have multiple copies i guess that's and true my board game club really hate splitting up even though it's stupid marathon so. number nine that'd be cool everyone sitting around <laughs> yes yeah yeah so i might get a second copy it depends on how many kids are in board game club this year we haven't started yet we're starting this monday and P there's like a line forming already people are camping out actually a bunch of my eighth graders came in and they're like i really hope no sixth graders join this year <laughs> Like they want, and we didn't have sixth grade. We didn't have any sixth graders join last year. Yeah. So. And it's just a. It's <laughs> and we exclusive. don't have sixth graders join this year. Board clay board game club is over if we don't. I was have gonna say so you have no seventh graders, no carryover. Right, I have no seventh graders, but I might pick up some seventh graders now, like. And dra and drag them know. in, just it, pick it them was, up and carry them in. Yeah. You know what usually happens is it's kids from my orchestra that like me want to hang out, yeah. so they come to board game club to do that. So, and I have a couple of seventh graders that I think might fit the bill. Board game club is actually mind. just the Miss B club. It's not like, <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. No one's there for the game, so no. they're for you. My 
No, no, that's not true. But sometimes it's true. Like my my current eighth graders that will be gaming with me this year are very much so into board games mm-hmm. and not me. Gotcha. And they are just fine playing without me. And not me. <laughs> but in But I I've definitely had groups in the past where it's like they're fighting over me, like who is playing with them. It's really cute and like definitely helps my self esteem. Mm. I just want people to like me, even if they're twelve. <laughs> You know what I really wanted to buy at the game store? Not number nine. No. It was Whitechapel. It was Whitechapel Mystery. Yeah, I know. I really want to play this. I knew nothing about it. I was pulling it up on Board Game Geek so I could try to take a look. But it's it sounds like it's kind saw- of like Whitechapel. Yeah, well, we saw it on the shelf and I was like, ooh. Because we just, well, we. I say we and really I mean not me. Everybody played uh, Letters from Whitechapel at game day. And I think, I don't remember what I was playing. Something longer than that, and uh, I didn't get to play it. And it's been on my shelf forever. I, I unshrinked it for the game day, and uh, they played it without me, and they really liked it. I think my husband's going to teach me that one, too. But then I saw this on the new game shelf at the store, and I was like, ooh, this is in a smaller box, and it's blue, so it must be better. <laughs> and then I read the comments. And then I read the comments on Board Game Geek, and there aren't that many, but the ones that are on there make me feel, like, pretty good about it. I like the mechanics. I'm looking at cool stuff just because that's the first thing that popped up, and it says that the mechanics are memory, point-to-point movement, and partnerships. Ooh. Yes. More games need partnership mechanics. It's, well, this, they're, it's the spiritual successor. <laughs> Which is one of those, like, we made it better kind of things. Right, right. That's always what it's that is. It's just Whitechapel 2.0. Like, people are saying that it's it feels like a standalone, like, expansion. It's a, sm- a little bit smaller with a couple of gameplay tweaks. So that's kind of what it says. My favorite comment. I got to read this. I just love it. At first, I thought it was the same as Whitechapel. I was wrong. That's all caps. <laughs> that's how I say that. In the game that's faster than its brother, Jack is always on the razor's edge. It's faster but not easier. It's similar but different. You should try it. And I do want to I like that end. You should try it. I like this is someone just like talking about a game that they own on board game geek, but they're just like selling me on it. Yeah. And it's it's working. (laughs) Good uh good marketing there, Fancy Flight, putting those viral (laughs) posters in the BGG. Uh, maybe I, it's not like capitalized properly, and it's someone from Italy. Mm. So I don't. I mean, like it's a really sneaky plant, if that's what it is. Smart, Dan. If an enthusiastic European likes this game, does that make you want to also like it? What game? The Whitechapel one. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I I know nothing about it. I would play. I like well letters from Whitechapel. Yeah, it's probably the best hidden movement game, in my opinion. It is really good for what it is uh, yeah i'd be interested to check this out so thank it's you bit, for putting that it's on a my bit radar. long though the first one so if they make well it shorter, and that's why this one sounds like it might this be this one's supposed to be shorter yeah yeah but do you really need it if you have the other one who knows it could that's just the be question marketing probably ploys. not but but this one comes in a smaller box and it's blue <laughs> and it's blue i was thinking about the same the same thing with their new civilization game that fancy flight announced like what's the difference between that and their regular civilization game I don't so know. I haven't tw- looked into that. They've tweaked the gameplay so you like it better. Yeah, I, but well, original Civ was good. Yeah. I, yeah, but new Civ, better. If they made it shorter, fine. That would work because Civ takes about three, three and a half hours. 
I know but Twilight Imperium 4 is like got more like mini things in it and the box is like half the size as the original and so I, I know a little bit about what makes that different, but it's just it's not $150 worth of different. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking about like this Whitehall and Civ and stuff like that. Like if you already own we have all those games in our collection already. Is it worth buying this new version? So, I don't know. Well, this Whitehall thing is, like, in a $30, $35 range. Yeah. So, I'm willing to take a chance on that. The other stuff, not so much. Are they even printing Letters from White Chapel anymore, I wonder? What if they, like, phase it out? Maybe. Yeah. It looks super similar. Didn't they just yeah. release an it expansion had- for it? Oh, they did. You're right. You're right. That added minis. Yeah, it just seems like else. they're running... I don't know. It's just annoying. It seems like they're they're doing what Portal does, or... Yeah, they're running out of ideas, so they're just remaking their old games, but making them prettier and better. Yeah. I, I don't know if that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's an annoying thing, but it's just, <laughs> it is what it is. It's kind of the reason I'm like, I'm happy to get rid of a lot of my like older games, even though I love them. Like I saw at Gen Con, like they're, they're bringing out a new edition of Endeavor, which I love Endeavor. And it took me months to trade for this game. And then it's like, yeah, we're just reprinting it. And I'm like, oh, so like things, yeah, things I like Egizia sort of... and other games like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna sell them because you know what? That someone will reprint it in the next three months because people are just looking to to make money now off the nostalgia stuff. Can yeah, you I saw have like a reprint of Bottle Imp the other day, and I was like, oh, yep. they finally did that. I think Stronghold's bringing that. Smart. I mean, there are so many of these like Grail type games. I've stopped hunting them down for this reason. They seem to be starting to reprint them. Like I have, I have the original Fire and Axe. Yeah. Why? Why did I go through what I went through to find that game and, and purchase it? You can get rid of it. it. It's not that good. I know I can get rid of it, and it's not that good. But you, it's like the attachment that I well, have. Well, the old version you might not be able to get experience. rid of now. <laughs> right. I, Maybe someone would want the old. It's like, you know. So on you the whole. burn it and take an axe to it. That'd be, Ooh, poetic. Oh. That'd be poetic. That'd be poetic. Very poetic, yeah. Record Do a Viking thing. Shoot an arrow, a flaming arrow from afar. Yes, that would be very good. Throw a flaming axe. Put it on a boat. Yeah. Well, these are all good options, but I would cry. Yeah, videotape yourself like a, floating it down the it river. It would be like a real funeral because I, I, I really worked hard to hunt that one down, guys. I love it. That's what we should do. We should do that. We should do like a an ancient burial service where we take all the games we want, don't want, stick them in a raft that we've made and burn it and then just send it down the river. Can you do that? That seems dangerous. I mean, I well, like the idea. There are permits I mean, that you have to get. It's fire on water. It can't be that bad. At some point, the water will win. That's probably true. We have a river near us. Unless, unless like, the, the games make it to the other side of the river and set the other shore on well, fire. Well, no, it would be like a raging river, like a, a river that oh. moves, not a, not a pond, Tiff. Yeah. I've never there would seen be current. a raging river. I live in Ohio. No water. Yeah, and we just wear we just wear gloves so our fingerprints aren't on we it. We only have lazy rivers. Oh, we could send it down a lazy river, but then it would loop back to the beginning and it would <laughs> just keep going. Lazy rivers are too crowded. Anyway. So before I talk I have a fantasy flight game that I play that I'll talk about in a second, but I wanted to ask it like money aside, do you guys generally want the older versions of these games or would you rather have a new shiny reprint? Like is there do any of you hang on to the thoughts of, like, this is the original version? So aside from, like, resale value or rarity, do, would you rather just have the new shiny one? 
depends. Well, I didn't buy the new shiny fire and axe. I still have the old one. I'm trying to think if I have... There are things that I'm proud of that I have the old one of. Yeah. I'm just losing what those are. It depends. Like, some of the old ones were made with, like, unique components and, mm. like... Like I'll use I'll use Indonesia the the game from Splatter as an example. Like I got the new version and it comes and they messed it up and it comes with these like oversized wooden pieces that don't like fit on the board properly and it, I was just like, nope, I'm gonna sell this and get the old version because it looks way better and more mm-hmm. functional and it was just like eh. and even the map like they did change the map a little bit and I thought I like the old map better like it looks nicer and yeah you know it depends on you know if you're looking for aesthetics like some of the some of the old stuff is just it the reason you like the game is because of the uniqueness of the components and the art and stuff like that it's not always better shiny and new yeah i was just wondering but looking at fantasy flight just because we were on the topic i wasn't necessarily trying to jump into this too oh you are so excited that i jumped into a fantasy flight game aren't you the other uh, the other thing i like to say too is like so like they brought out ti4 and they're reprinting civ like these are both games that are going to cost you an arm and a leg and you probably play them once a year if that and it's like i don't need this like come on like yeah twilight imperium in particular is twilight imperium was not sold out as of saturday at gen con i don't know how many they brought in their advanced shipment there but it wasn't going anywhere yeah. which may speak to people looking at that price tag and saying mm, no i got ti3 for 40 bucks like i'm okay with that they have it for sale for yeah. 55 on our clearance and because we're members like it's half off that i could easily have a copy of that for way cheap yeah and it's the same I mean, game that's just not the kind of game you replace you need to replace yeah Unless you're still holding on to like version one, maybe it's time to upgrade, but you've probably gotten enough love out of it to, uh, you probably hang on to that anyway and just buy the new version. And- In that regard, it's like cameras. Like if you're, if you're two cycles behind, the upgrade is going to be noticeable. Yeah. Plus the funny thing about that game is given its aesthetic, which is like this old kind of kitschy sci-fi, it doesn't necessarily look any better because it's got kind of like a dated aesthetic to mm. it anyway. They I just find. put more plastic into it and shrunk yeah. the box. Yeah. I just remember Maybe that being like such a... like shelf space problems Yeah, you want the smaller box. I find the giant coffin box to be part of its charm, to be honest with you. But a pain to store. I sold off a lot of my big box games just because of the box. Yeah. Fantasy Flight I Games. I played XCOM again. Because Ben has really wanted to play XCOM. And I was like, okay, it's sitting on my shelf and there's no reason not to. So Kel, Ben, and I played it. That game is okay. And I know I'm pretty it's sure. Not good. I'm pretty sure Dan, yeah, I was going to say Dan doesn't really like it. I don't think it's that bad. But maybe because like we just had a good time with it. I, I was worried about it because I was like, I'm pretty sure I don't like this game. But we played it and uh, just played like the base version, easy mode and Maybe that's why, because we, we ended up winning for once, and I never won it. So there's a lot of factors that could play into why I actually enjoyed it, but it wasn't that bad. Like, it's it's a fairly straightforward game, and it does have a lot of dice rolling, which is problematic, uh, potentially, but it, it was okay. I thought it was cool. And it's such I hear, a letdown for the IP, though. God. Well, it is a letdown for the nothing. IP, because it, it doesn't represent my favorite part of the IP, which is not base management, but is unit <laughs> movement, like... I want it represents nothing. I want a tactical IP. minis game, XCOM kind of style, but it 
No, it does kind of the overworld thing. Like, I think that it's fair to the IP, but it's not fair to, like, the gameplay, maybe, is what I would say. Because, like, although base management is still a part of it, it's not. This is a very abstracted view of it, or a very macro. I was going to say, but it doesn't even make base management that interesting. It's like, and again, it comes back to my whole thing, like, with these IP games on video games. It's like, I'd rather just go play the video game. Like, I'd rather not waste my time with the board game in that instance well i mean i think that they're different enough that like the video game and the board game don't represent each other so it's not like sometimes like you could say like blood bowl you know i'd rather play the video game than the board game because of time and things like that but they're like the exact same game this game is a different experience so yes i'd rather play the XCOM video game because i i like that better but i do think that neither they're not trying to do what the other one does like, there's no overlap between the two, so it's not really fair to say I'd rather do this than that kind of thing. Just because well, It is fair, because so I'd rather spend my time playing the video game than the board game. I think that's the, the gist of it. I don't find the board game that interesting. Well, no, I, I get that, I would I get that in general you'd rather video. do this than that, but I'm saying, like, to say I'd rather do this to get the XCOM experience than this, I don't think that they give the same quote-unquote XCOM experience, so they don't, they don't match onto each other in terms of they're very different things, so... I get but it. It's I, just a letdown if you're going to slap XCOM in size 47,000 font on the cover and then it doesn't play anything like XCOM. But at the same time, if the game was exactly like the video game, wouldn't you rather just play the video game? It, it could I still feel like have they're essence. kind of stuck between a rock and a hard pace with that. Because, like, if... Yeah, what Matt just said. There's no essence, exactly though. The There's same. no essence of XCOM. No, the essence of XCOM is there. No, I don't agree with that. Yeah. Because the like, if you if you mean essence by like the theme and the ideas and things like that, XCOM is a tactical movement game. Like, there's nothing of that. It's like, oh, there's an alien over here. Yeah, put a guy there. Cool. It also has base management and things like that. Like, that's a big part of XCOM is managing your funds and the speed at which things happen. And All kind right. Of the well, impending then let's, let's take a step back. It doesn't do any of that interesting. How about that? Like, there's one fun thing in that game, and that's the dice rolling mechanic on the side of the board with like oh, i think that's the least fun part of it. i think like the timed phase is the most fun part of it yeah. like the oh no how much money are we spending what do we got to do do this do that the timer's going things happen and how the game responds if you don't like meet that time the pressure's there and then the dice rolling i think is the is the weak part because everything you just planned for might go to hell in a handbag because of the dice rolls but there's a tension there i guess i don't know i guess but that's I the only it. thing that feels xcomy is that tension. Well, that's true, because when you line up that shot in XCOM and it says 87% and you still miss and accidentally blow yourself up with a grenade, that is XCOM. Yep. But that doesn't require... That isn't the essence of XCOM. I know nothing about XCOM, but it sounds like there's a little bit of essence there. Like what you're I think there's a little about. bit, but I do agree with Dan that like I see what he's looking for. I think that... The IP is there, but it's not. I'm looking the for. I'm looking for a team of dudes working together. We're upgrading each other. We're tactically working off each other. I'm looking for that. I'm not looking for Matt. I need a dollar fifty so I can buy a gun. Um, and yes, then this is. We're gonna go up here, and I think I'm gonna research fire. Would that help us in this instance? Maybe. Oh, timer's up. Uh, I think it's time we got to roll some dice. Oh, those failed. That was a fun game. This is the other half of XCOM, the, the the bigger view of XCOM, which is technically in the game with like all of the stuff that you're not doing in combat, I think is represented in this game. And the combat is not represented well at all, which is the most fun part of the game. The, the video game is the combat. So I get it. 
All I'm saying is I played it. I got a game off my shelf that I haven't played in like a year and a half. And that's okay. And it wasn't terrible. So there's an expansion. I don't think I'm going to buy it. I'm going to see if we can play it a couple more times. And if we don't play it, then it might need to go. Because even like one, that game, speaking of TI and Civ, like XCOM is not interesting or fun enough to only play once a year kind of thing. Like it's not, it shouldn't take up my shelf if I'm only going to play it once a year. But if for some reason we get into it, then it could stay. You just described it as it wasn't terrible. <laughs> yeah, like, it wasn't terrible. I've got lots of games on my shelf that, that are terrible. That, to me, goes immediately into the trade slash sell pile. It wasn't terrible. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't trade or sell games as readily as you. I, I, you seem quite skilled at it. I put games up for sale or trade, and they just never go. So this is on my I, trade list. You just I actually started writing a blog about how I trade and sell things. Yeah. I had some thoughts, bulleted thoughts. I would read that. Yeah. The main gist of it is you got to be willing to accept a loss of some sort. Maybe I'll do a podcast segment on it after I write it. But I did bullet out like seven things about how I go through it and what I'm willing to accept and the, the mentality behind it. I've got lots of games I'm willing just to get rid of. Nobody wants them. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Well, Viking funeral. I mean, you try your Viking hardest not funeral. to buy crappy games to begin with. Like that's rule number one. Yeah, but there was no saying that XCOM was necessarily going to be crappy. I mean, that was a hot game of the Christmas time two years ago. But the thing is, like, you gotta you gotta play it and you gotta accept its fate immediately while it's still hot, and then you can flip it. That's exactly what I did. Like, I bought it like that year. Was it my birthday? I think I bought it for my birthday. I played it twice in a week. I said, "This is crap." I don't want to play it. I don't believe in making snap judgments like that, though. I got to play you, out a game. You got to when there's 15,000 games out there. Like, that's the thing. Well, no. I, I, getting those games out of my collection isn't that important to me. Like, I don't have the well, fervor like you do to get rid of it. So, it, it doesn't hurt me that it's on the shelf, even though I don't love it. Well, that's fine. I just want... I would rather get my money back for a game that I know I'm not going to play. Because I'm pretty good at judging games now. So... Yeah, gonna... I always have hope. And I usually can... Like, even the play that I had with Kel and Ben was fun. We liked it. So, I got a little bit more value out of it. Even though I wouldn't say that game going into it was... I wasn't exactly excited. But... I had fun with it, so it kind of justified itself in the moment, which is tough to then be like, I don't know, there's potential value in all of the games. You can always have a good time. I guess. But there's opportunity cost to play a game that is not, quote, wasn't terrible. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, the other thing That's is you have all the other games anyway, so it's like, yeah, I guess I'll just, ha- I'll accrue the crappy collection and then Dan will have all the good ones. Okay. I'll, I'll leave that alone. Well, that's what you tell me. <laughs> about all the crap on my shelf (laughs) and we don't want to double buy so tiffany b you mentioned a game that we have now all played in some respect should we dig into wasteland express are we willing to at least give some first thoughts on that yes or no dan i don't know how dan feels about should we play it some more before we talk about it i that's fine i can talk about it first impressions but yeah what'd you think of it tiff you got to do that instead of playing number nine 17 times yeah, I mean, it it was tough because it was at the very end of, like, our game day that started er- much earlier. And by then, I think we were all gamed out, and poor Copac was probably all rules teached out. And we just kind of, we got off to a little bit of a rocky start trying to get going. And then we had to cut it short because people had to leave. And so it wasn't an ideal play, but I will say that it felt more Euro-y than I was expecting it to feel. Even knowing that Matt and Ben were involved in it 
And it wasn't just like John Gilmore, you know, Amera trashy stuff. I still was like, oh, yeah, this does. I could see where this is just like kind of classic pickup and delivery stuff with a little bit more. We didn't get to the the attacking, like the raiding, pillaging type stuff as much. But we were Euro-y people playing it. So I think we were kind of avoiding it. All right. So before we get too far into raiding, Tiff, we should probably take a second and explain what the game is. So like you said, Wasteland Express is a pickup and deliver game. This was from Panasaurus Games, just came out at Gen Con. And it is a, it's got that post-apocalyptic theme that we all love so much, right? Love it. It's basically, no. <laughs> it's it's got like a Mad Max to to, for lack of a better thing. It's like... Mad Max, it's also got, I don't know, what else? Because it's it's almost over the top of Mad Max. It's very gritty and exaggerated. It can't be over the top of Mad Max. <laughs> I don't know. It's got some, like, mm-hmm. almost got some, like, Borderlands kind of stuff in it in terms of the okay, aesthetic. Like I'll it's, give you that. It's very wastelandy, uh, as is the title. But anyway, so the point of the game is it's objective-based, and you're going to be playing two, th- is it three objectives, Dan, always? Yep. Okay, so you're playing for three objectives, which are basically contracts. They tell you to do something. Uh, The ones that we had in our play, and Tiff, you can tell me kind of what you guys had to do. Uh, We had one where you had to transport a nuke from point A to point B. We had one, which I believe is in every game, which is to gather these artifacts, these three artifacts, which just like cost you money. You go to a town and buy them, and then you deliver them to this central location. And our last one was just... I believe we were trying to bail out the the wasteland bank and we just had to like donate a bunch of money. So you buy and sell stuff to accrue cash and then you just go dump your money and basically buy yourself a victory point kind of thing. There are also other contract cards that you can acquire throughout the game, which give you money and allies and gear. And some of those will also be end game uh, contracts. So you can do any combination of these private contracts and these public contracts to get your three points to win the game. But other than that, it's basically... Pick up and deliver with an upgradable uh, system. Like you've got a truck, you've got a vehicle, and you can add storage spaces. You can add weapons. You can add shields. You can add things that make you move faster. You can have ally slots, which give you extra bonuses. So this whole, all these upgrades revolve around making your movement abilities, your, your ability to pick up and deliver, buy and sell more efficient, and then also your ability to either attack or defend yourself from the environment itself because there is no pvp there's no interaction in terms of combat between players but there are these marauders these raiders that are going around that will attack you and then there's certain like irradiated zones and things like that which will damage you as you travel through them so all of your upgrades revolve around dealing with those hazards uh in various ways whether you want to be more avoidant or confrontational so is there are there any key components that i missed dan because you read the rule book i i actually that's just what i got from the play no, that was pretty good. Okay. So you were talking about avoiding raiders, Tiff. Yeah, like all, there were only three of us playing, and we were all just totally, completely, utterly avoiding them. So it, to me, we didn't, like I said, it's just first impression. We didn't play the whole game, and it's, I don't know, maybe I think as the game would have progressed, I would have gotten more wanting to do mm-hmm. that. But like to start off, we were just playing it as. More or less, just pick up and deliver. Yeah. Like, I have a contract, I'm going here to get the thing, and then I get the thing, and I take it to the thing. So did you find that that prolonged and, your, like, individual contracts? Because you can you can fairly easily, well, I don't know, 
for the most part, you can avoid the negative areas on the board. Uh, they do kind of shift around somewhat, but it will prolong your journey, which stretches out yeah. the game and your efficiencies. For me, I didn't the the I probably would have. I, I guess Kopak did do a little bit with the raider. He but he had such bad luck with it. Yeah. <laughs> so. I, after seeing him struggle through it, I was like, oh, not going to do that. And then I, we just, mine didn't get prolonged. I was nowhere near them. They just, they kept getting moved away from mm-hmm. me. So it worked out for me. And the other person that was playing one, one. Yeah. We played to two objectives instead of three. Gotcha. But uh, so it, it didn't seem to hurt anybody. The only person who suffered was the one who actually engaged the raiders. Yeah. Well, which is, it's funny that you guys kind of played it that way, because I think one of the first moves of the game, Dan moved a raider and I got ambushed because certain spots allow you to move raiders. And if you move the raider into a spot where someone is into a a hex, they get attacked and you have to like roll off and try to defend yourself. And that happened immediately because I remember rolling two dice and I got six (laughs) hits and felt like a champion. Uh, So I ended up taking a very... My guy, my guy started with a machine gun, so I was like, I'm going to lean into this. And I did the nuke run objective, which is like every time you move into a new hex, you get attacked. So you have to, I bought a bunch of guns and extra gunners and some shields and like armed myself up. I was that guy with like freaking machine guns sticking out of every window <laughs> of my vehicle and just like, I'm going to tank this and just fight everything. Uh, but doing that really hurt my delivery capacity. Like I could fight but I couldn't hold a lot of water or food or weapons, which are the three primary resources that you're buying and selling. See, I think I had like an opposite setup as you as well, because I started with a trailer, which is extra space on your vehicle. So I was all set up to just really focus on the pickup and delivery part in the first place. So, and I also think we were playing kind of nice just because the, it was me and Kopak wanting to play. And then we had to split our group And they all played number nine because it was at the end of the game day. And this one person, quote, volunteered as tribute. So uh, (laughs) maybe not super excited to play it. She didn't seem to hate it, but it was, you know, we were playing nice, I think. I gotcha. I gotcha. Dan, what are your kind of thoughts overall on the game? Anything stand out to you? Um, It was pretty long. I think that was my first comment after we were playing. I think it took us almost three hours to play. Um, which is, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it, I wasn't expecting that. Um, even though the box does say like 90 to 120, I was still thinking like, oh, we can get this done in, you know, a hundred to 115, whatever. It was a four player game. I did. I did like it. I liked it actually, uh, quite a bit. Um, the, the player board system of kind of taking your actions and then moving it on, um, the truck momentum was, uh, was kind of cool. Although I didn't use it all that much, I think, you know, it's, I was able to get around the board pretty easily, um, as is. That's what I thought too. Um, so the, every time I would get up to that big movement, I didn't need it. Yeah. The, just the way the board was set up, like everything in our game was, was kind of constant, like all the like areas where you could buy stuff was concentrated in one area, which was kind of weird how we set that up. But, uh, so like navigating back and forth between spots and things wasn't wasn't all that difficult so i didn't find myself having to to do the momentum thing and then i just bought a turbo upgrade which gave you like plus one space and 
then it then it didn't matter at all. But you know, mechanically, I thought it was it was pretty slick little mechanic. I mean, it's a it's the rule book. I didn't really care for either. I thought the rule book was a little tough to get through. Not not to say that it was badly written. I just the way it was organized was just we were jumping back and forth between pages to look this and that up, and it just yeah wasn't wasn't the the neatly the neatest thing um i've ever read through so that was a that was a bit of a pain in the butt and that that slowed us down a little bit in the the beginning i think overall as i mentioned i liked it um first impression um i liked it quite a bit it kind of scratched my pick up and deliver itch um, which is one of my favorite kind of genres of games because it's just a big efficiency puzzle um, and i love kind of tactically and strategically kind of planning through those I, I will say though, and I, I said this while we were playing it, it just, it took a little while to ramp up and I was just, I wanted it to get to like the last hour, hour and a half was, was exciting. Like you could see we were all competing yeah. and we were like going back and forth. And I, I literally, I screwed Steve over by buying like three artifacts in one turn before he could, um, which he was like a dollar short and he would have won the game if he had done that kind of thing. Um, and I wound up winning because of it. So like, but it was just that ramp up to where we could efficiently kind of deliver things and not be so much of a kind of a like struggle, which I understand it's thematic that you probably are struggling to begin with. But I just, yeah, I thought, I don't know. And I think that's where we stopped our game right before that third hour. Cause we played to two Yeah. and uh, it was close to two hours at that point we had been playing. If you include the, the rule, you know, I don't know. It's a, it was tough to get started, but yeah. Yeah, I would like to just seen it like jump started and maybe like cut like forty minutes out of the game and like let me get to the like the the real juicy stuff, which I really enjoyed. Like that last those last like at that last hour and a half, I really enjoyed. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to playing it again. I mean, I was I was the one kind of complaining about the time limit, and everyone else was like, "Well, it's first play and yada yada." And so uh, I'm looking forward to playing it again and see if we can cut it down a little bit. But from what I'm heard, it's it's going to be two hours plus for most games, especially if you're playing with, you know, four players. I don't think that the overall playtime will end up being that bad. I think once you're a little bit more proficient with it, like I'm fine with a two hour game. There's a lot of stuff to do. And I think that I, I would hope that the ramp would become faster as we got more proficient. Like I'm thinking, OK, I know how the market works because Based on demand, these demand tiles that come out, there is a fluctuating market for those three goods, water, food, and ammunition or guns. You know, I can start honing in basically on money. Like I, I underestimated the value of money, which sounds silly in a pickup and deliver game, but the ability to get storage slots to hold a couple of goods and to capitalize one or two or two or three goods at the right time. You know, we had guns up to like 11, 12 bucks. You're talking about one payout for 30 some dollars. You can outfit your truck for that much. Like 30 bucks will get you pretty far in terms of getting you what you want in terms of upgrades, which means that now you can really start maximizing on some of those contracts and things like that. What I did was went and got contract cards and like the opening contract I had, I was like, I'm going to do this and it pays you like four bucks. Four bucks is one upgrade, maybe half an upgrade, depending on what you're getting. But getting a couple of good goods, which don't cost that much, you can spend your starting money, get a couple of goods, and then go for it. Like, I think that that hopefully would help the ramp, at least when I look at my strategy, because I was very slow to get money. But early game, 
upgrading is where you want to be get a big sale upgrade and then go hammer like whatever those key objectives are no no i agree when you have a game and you're just start everybody's playing for the first time it will definitely be a faster ramp up if you play it again no i i agree i agree i just i i i focus so much on these first plays because i think this is again we've talked about this numerous times like in a market with saturated with games like that first play is crucial and if I understand that, yeah, we're going to get better at it as we explore it. I get that. I'm just saying, like, if I was kind of more of a casual person or something like that, I could see it being a deterrent to wanting to play it more because of the length and because of the kind of the the slog at the beginning. Do we think, like, uh, individually, like, this is a casual game? Or would you, like, would you recommend this for a more casual player? Or would we try to go with... This is getting, like, coverage on, like, video game sites and all kinds of stuff. So... I mean, I don't yeah. know. I think Polygon took a look at it, Kotaku, all kinds of... Yeah, it's it's definitely branched out of the board game. Yeah, so... And that's great, and it's awesome, and it's a good game. Please, please don't take any of this the wrong way. I really enjoyed it. I did. Like I said, I just... I agree with Matt and what he said. I think knowing now the, the benefit of... N- like not selling one good at a time, for instance, or yeah. being able to hold multiple goods of the same type and then selling them, it's it's good. And it, it, this is kind of part of my problem with talking about a game after one play too. I'm starting to realize like it's just I don't I, I need to give these things a fair shake to figure that out. Um, I think we owe that to people. But uh, I did I did really enjoy the play as much as I was kind of like, oh, this is long. Uh, I just wasn't expecting that to be honest with you. Um, and I think that kind of took, took me aback because you, you see the game and you see the artwork and it's not totally my style. It's definitely not my theme for anything, but I think it did walk the line of Ameritrash and Euro where I, I enjoyed it. Um, and that's, that's a tough line to walk, I think, um, especially for, for a player like me. Um, I did get boned by the dice like numerous times and, you know, it, it kind of like, I was like, damn it. Um, but you know what? I just kind of came back, went a different route, did something different, and it was fine. Yeah, those dice interactions to... occur when you choose to fight a raider. You roll dice, you get two base, and then you can get upgrades that give you more dice or more hits. And then there are also two dice points where if you move through a spot that a raider is already there, when you move into that tile, you have to roll roll a die, die, the raider die, to see if you get hit, which has a low probability of hit. And then if you move through an irradiated zone, you got to roll the rad die, which has a high probability of hitting. Fortunately, I think that the balance between that Ameritrash and and Euro is struck because the most Ameritrash element is those dice rolls, is that combat, you only ever take one wound, one hit, and that locks up one of your spots. Uh, So the damage from that dice roll is never huge and it doesn't feel too too permanent you can pay a couple bucks to heal all of your damage in the center of the map so you're always kind of near it so i think that that helps tow the line because this easily could have been like your truck is getting blown up all the time like they could have could have gone more ameritrash with that dice stuff and i think that they kept it very contained and it feels very mitigatable you can you can take the steps to to arm yourself if you want to, but that does have an opportunity cost in that you're not picking up and delivering in those times. So yeah, no, and you can completely avoid combat. You don't have to do it at all. Yeah, which is unless people ambush nice. you, unless your friends put raiders in your spots, and you have. But to even fight that's them all the time. not that bad. Like you said, you only take one damage, which for me was like cool. I can deal with that. It's not like oh, I rolled horribly. the The thing for me was mentally, I had to get into my head that the 
dice had the chance of each die had a chance of hitting three. So when you see a raider of like five, you're like, crap, how am I going to beat him with two dice? But knowing that, oh, well, there's a chance that I could roll six or five pretty easily on these two dice because it's zero, one, it's like zero, one, one, two, 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 three three. or something, which is, which is cool. And, but I, I, until I raided my first truck, I was like, oh yeah, this is, and it's, and at points it's way more efficient. And sometimes the only way that you can get certain goods, um, because of the demand or the, the selling tiles, that was I interesting too. Micro- like, I just knocked my headset off my head. That was sorry if that was <laughs> there was noise in the the recording. Um, I got a little bit of anim- does it, definitely become important when because the goods are random, like in terms of what's in demand and, and things like that. Sometimes, like we ran into a situation where the only gun good on the board was in a raider truck, and guns were worth a whole bunch. So it was like, okay, well that's a very valuable good, but I've got to go fight for it. But the fighting is not too bad, so it's like, okay, do I divert? And maybe go take my chances. So that I thought that was interesting because I think the combat is easy enough and manageable enough that it is fun to go and fight, even if you feel like you haven't geared towards fighting. Uh, you can still get in there. Raiding the there's little raider enclaves that you can fight. Those are a little bit tougher, but they also give you good. So it's not all just buying and selling. There's other ways to do it. So even someone like me, who I geared up to fight, I had options to go get goods without just having to like drive to and from. Yeah. No, it's a good game. I would I would recommend people check it out. Um, it's a bit on the pricey side, but the I mean we haven't even talked about the production quality. It's true. Um, oh my god, it's fantastic. Those those inserts, um, not the inserts, the game trays. To be honest, you you couldn't play that game without those game trays. So it's you know kudos nightmare. to Pandasaurus for actually thinking that through and really kind of putting that extra effort into it because without that the game would just sprawl to unimaginable lengths and be just gross on the table and the setup um, as far time as be egregious bit. yeah the setup's already long enough even with those trays it's, it'd be nice to um um it yeah good you know kudos to those guys it's that was like awesome mechs and minions level it's better than mechs design. and minions it's better it's functional it's like it all like Max and Minions is just used to store it like this. Actually, you just pull the mod shop out and you lay it on the table. Yeah. And they even went the extra little, little mile to like they put a like a cardboard punch out that actually inserts into the plastic tray that gives you like the cost and yeah. what everything in that tray is. And it's like I said, just a little de- attention to detail yeah. was 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 excellent. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that's going to get it played more often. Like a lot of times, at least for my group who doesn't play big games a lot, when they have like a huge setup time that, and you have all these baggies, and it's just overwhelming to even set up the game. Like it, it just doesn't get played. So it's kind of nice. This is the kind of game. It has a lot of components, but it it will be easier to set up now that we know how to do it, and it might get played more often because of that. Yeah. I think the price is fair when you look at the stuff that you get in the box with the storage option built in. I mean, you'd easily spend 80 bucks for a game like this from another company and then also spend another 40 bucks on a game tray to sort it. So I think that this game at MSRP is is a fair price given that insert. Like, that really makes it. Oddly enough, it is still more expensive than Mechs and Minions, though, which has so much stuff. They did just unfathomable how they managed to sell that Mechs and Minions game for so cheap. Well, they... They subsidized probably. No, I know. I know. 50% of it. Um, but yeah, so I, I think that the there's a lot of good things in um, Wasteland Express. I think the pitfalls that you need to look for are the game time and the 
like getting into it. I think that there's a couple nitpicky things like Dan trying to scour the rule book. Dan reads a lot of rule books. So when he's like, I can't find things in this, that's a concern for me because he usually knows where to look for things. So I think understanding all of the different little rules, uh, because there are some things where it's like, okay, can I do this? Can I do that? And all of the rules make sense. I think that they're all fair thematically and mechanically, but finding them and knowing them and remembering them, like I can only have one of these things or what exactly does this mean? Like, I I think that there's just some stuff to learn in this game that, that could be prohibitive if you don't have someone who's ready to teach it and know it. Yeah. And there is, I mean, there is a Rodney video for this, a watch it played video. If that's your kind of style of learning, I, I can't watch one of his videos and learn a game. It's just, I, just not how I function. I need to read the rule book and then maybe subsidize it with a reading of, you know, or watching of his video yeah. just to see if I can missed anything. Cause a lot of times the game, this kind of complexity and depth, like, you know, it's easy to miss stuff. I just felt, yeah, the rule book, like I said, while, while we found the answers to most everything we had, it was just, it was kind of digging through it to figure out where it was just kind of was annoying it reminded me of the panamax rule book but not as bad because the panamax rule book is probably the worst rule book ever written but it was just we were constantly jumping back and forth to an appendix to the gameplay section to this and i was like oh man so you know first first world problems didn't deter us it's a good game check it out yeah um can talk about it again uh, i'll i'll revise my uh my slow start opinion um, after we play it a couple more times, if in fact it does change. Yeah, we got to give it a little bit more attention and love. Now, in terms of like objectives, in terms of variability, I guess, just to cap it off, there's a lot of different things you can do and the order of operations seems to be fairly random, but in, I don't know, in general, same kind of game each time, or I guess there's a lot of, I don't know, what do you feel just off I'm, the bat? I'm not, I'm not going to talk to that right now. We've only played it once, so okay. I, I can't, I mean, I, I can't, I, I couldn't. I don't want to, I don't think I could do it justice, but I mean, there is the variability and you switch different contracts in and out. There's a campaign mode, which you can play, which gives a different setup for every game apparently. So, I mean, there's, there's that, but I, I can, yeah, I can only just kind of talk to it in theory. Okay. Any other game plays, any other things that have hit the table that we're interested in talking about? No, I think everything I've played recently, we've already talked about. I've actually played games more than once lately, which is which is weird. We played, pers- I played Professor Evil for the second time, and then we had a long, hour-long conversation about whether the game is good or not. <laughs> we did, and uh, I'm too exhausted from that conversation to have it again. The final <laughs> verdict was, I, I'm not a huge fan of it, Tiff. No, I don't care. I love it. I got you. That's exactly what you needed to say. Lack of enjoyment does not change my opinion. Yep, yep. Uh, So I guess let's talk a little bit about top of the stack. We haven't done top of the stack in a while, and I'm not sure even, like, I didn't remember any of this stuff. So July and August, uh, we had Tiff. Have you played Defenders of the Last Stand? No. Did you play Mafia de Cuba? No. I brought it to camp, and no one wanted to play it. Everybody wanted to play Stupid Cards Against Humanity rant open yep. and did you play the game that you should have been able to play because it's a solo game the lost expedition i did not okay so that's zero saddest, for zero yeah that's the saddest part about that one. do you know what you want to be playing in september tiff i know what i want to be playing we'll see if it happens what you got well i think i'm gonna keep lost expedition on there because i do want to play it i i unboxed it and i read the rules but i didn't play it um and i want to play oracle of delphi again mm-hmm and third game that one's a little trickier not sure 
Let me think All about right. it and come back. Dan, did you play Yamatai? Yep. Did you play Hawaii? Uh, no, I don't think so. And did you play Spires? Yes. Okay. Two, four, three. What are you interested in in terms of playing games in September? For September, hmm. Let's go with uh, Spirit Island. Yeah. Let's go with Whistle Stop. And let's go with... Let's get Wasteland on there again. <gasps> wow. Good job, Dan. Playing a game twice. You're a new man. I've played a ton of games multiple times this month. I know. Pretty, pretty cool. Turning over a leaf. Well, I just either want to... I want to be able to talk about them more coherently and or get rid of them quicker. So. That's it. Those are all games I'm very interested in playing, so maybe I can help you with that top of the stack. Mine was Nemo's War, which I haven't played. Papa Palo, which I did play and we chatted about, and then La Cosa Nostra, which I still want to play. Well, you can't rag Tiff. You had a solo game on there that you didn't play. Oh, I, we can still rag Tiff. No. <laughs> I'm going to be her white knight here. You didn't play a solo game, Matt. <laughs> no, I didn't. I feel like I'm equally subject to ridicule. That's fine, but I host, so you guys need to speak up. Tiff, you're not the only loser on this podcast. I'm kidding. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. We can't all be Dan. I do appreciate it. I, I don't know, in terms of three games that I want to play in September, I know I want to play The Seventh Continent. I've got that set up. I've read the rule book. I watched the video. I'm ready to play some Seventh Continent. I want to check that out. I can technically play that solo, so really I have no excuse if I don't get it done this month. I would also like to play my copy of Concordia that I got just because I have it and I'd like to play it. And I don't know, there's a lot of games that I really want to try out. I'd like to try New Azor. I'd really like to play Mechs and Minions because it's just sitting on my shelf and I'd like to try it out. Uh, I will put, I've already got a solo game, so let's say, oh, you know what I need to do? I need to finish some more, uh, Arkham Horror LCG packs. I'd really like to play some of those, and Kel and I have a little campaign going, so we need to finish that up, so I'll put Arkham Horror LCG on there. So that is my list for September. I got my third game. Okay. I'm gonna add letters from Whitechapel, and I'm hoping that someone special to me will teach it. Is that... Uh, I'm not going to see you till November. It's Tiff. not you guys. Oh, 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 okay. I was like, wait, is she asking us? No. He knows He knows how to play it, and he's offered to teach it. So we'll see. I find that game to be very fun at two or three players. Well, I hope that I get to find the out. two player is really like, it's, it's just probably heads the up. only way to play it. What'd you say? Probably the only way to play it is two or three. Four is just too, it's too slow. Well, I don't know. I mean, the game kind of all just happens. What I think what happens is people just start dictating you end up it only being a two or three player game anyway because that third or fourth person who's sitting around just like sits around just because the game is very someone's going to have an idea and they're going to check in with the other players and the other players are going to be like yeah that's probably right and then you I don't know it's just weird how that that works out uh, it's very alpha gamer prone I think so three player I think is its best because then the, the investigators have one person to like check in with uh, but two players cool too because it's like cat and mouse. It's very you be you guys being competitive, Tiff. I feel like that would be a lot of fun. We'll and find then you out. can swap. Maybe try again. Hopefully. Yeah, and then you can see if you want to keep that or get the shiny new blue version. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else gaming or otherwise related on people's minds that they would like to chat about? No. All right. I'm good. We can go ahead and wrap up episode 75 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. Thank you all for joining us. Remember all those various ways that you can find us on places like the BGG Guild number 2077. You can always shoot us an email. You can give us some iTunes reviews if you like the content and would like to provide some feedback. 
Uh, thank you again to our sponsor, Tasty Minstrel Games. Check them out at playtmg.com or go online or to your game store. Their games are there. They're nicely priced. They've got some fun stuff to play. So be sure to check them out. If you want to talk to us directly, as some people have been doing lately, I feel like I've got some friends, which is great. Uh, so I'm not just always playing games by myself. Must be new. A new feeling for you. Thank you, Tiff. Uh, you can do so on Twitter, Tiff, if they want to berate you for being so mean to me. Where do they do that? <laughs> I am at ineptgamer. And Dan, if they want to find out the seven tricks to trading success and you can sell them your new book you're writing, where do they do that? Uh, at scandalous underscore nad or league nonsense. You can find me at cinnamon buns spelled phonetically. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next time for episode 76. Until then, everyone say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye. I'd say it probably takes like three beats to pick up your pace. By then, no. it's too late. It should only take two. <sighs> Let me take a drink of water. <laughs> Stressful? Why are you stressed? Don't be stressed. This is. I just mean because I got up to like scramble and find my Ethernet cable while you guys were talking, and when I came back, it was all you were gone. <laughs> I was like, oh no. We're gonna start over, and it's gonna be better than ever.